0: At 11FS, we love making podcasts, and this isn't our only one. If you haven't checked out our sister podcast, InsureTech Insider, then hop to it. It's uh, available on iTunes now or your favorite podcast clients. And the last few months have had some vintage episodes, from the future of work to the biggest InsurTech news. There's a topic in there for everybody who wants to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Head to ii.11fs.com to start listening, or just search for InsureTech Insider on your favorite podcast provider. All right, let's start today's show. Hello, and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Simon Taylor, and in today's show, we're going to be talking about sustainable finance. ESG funds are consistently outperforming the wider market, with more than half beating the MSCI World Bank but how did we get to what is sustainable finance? Uh, what is ESG? Well, to deal with this alphabet soup of things that actually matter that sound like alphabet soup, um, we are joined by some phenomenal guests. First up, we have Damian Piatis, uh, who is head of impact investing at Barclays. Damian, I hope I've not butchered your last name too much. Not too much. <laughs> All right, we're going to go with that, Damien. Thank you so much for being with us, um, and of course, uh, joined by Catman, who is head of PR for Savings and Investments at Nutmeg. How are you doing,
1: Cat? I'm very good, thank you, Simon. How are you?
0: really well thank you for being on of course you've been on our breakfast show on linkedin good to have you here with us and uh let's just jump right in shall we um sustainability is such a broad term damien i remember when we first met you you unpicked some of the terms like esg impact and sustainability for me so how do you define the difference between impact and esg let's start with both of
2: those Yeah, you're absolutely right. We've had a proliferation of terms often, and probably unfortunately used interchangeably, even by the media. I I wouldn't start even with ESG and and impact. I'd actually suggest that we start just thinking about the approaches that we want to have in terms of the investment process. And really the way that we explain it when we talk to clients is there's three different approaches that you can take. One is ethical, where you're thinking about a personal moral compass. Secondly is responsible investing, which does include ESG, really focused on financial value. And lastly is impact, where you're thinking holistically about the outcomes that investments are generating, as well as the implications and the preferences that investors have. Now, when you start thinking about each one of those, there's some real clear intentions and actions that can help us when we look beneath the label around how the investment process actually works.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I guess that personal moral compass can be so different to how you measure something, which can be so different to uh, the the impact that produces. Kat, would you agree with those? What do you think is important to an investor?
1: Uh, yeah, no, I would completely agree with what Damien said. And I know when we looked at socially responsible investing um, at Nutmeg and we launched a new sort of range of funds, we really noticed that the industry, which loves jargon um, and loves a name for something that you know possibly doesn't necessarily mean that much to people on the street who were actually going to do the investing there was a whole range of different labels um, and what we really wanted to do and we did a lot of customer testing was figure out what does it mean to them and also how do you sort of balance the different elements of and Damien touched on it the ES and the G if you want to know what it's doing for the environment but also increasingly there's been social and governance factors that have started to play in Um, so being able to kind of really understand what that looks like for you um, and how that might differ has been really important for customers
0: but straight on the nose um damien this is all kind of kind of feeling a bit buzzwordy um there's a lot of terms out there are people just doing this to make themselves feel better or is there a reason why all of this is happening what's going on outside of investing that's making people think this way
2: well i think when, when you look at it, you know, very clearly around the world, we have urgent social and environmental problems and capital has a role to play in terms of helping to accelerate or address those. So yes, there is part of it where people do want to feel good about how they invest, uh, but also in the same way that people over the years have started thinking differently about how we live, how we shop or how we travel. So it's natural to think that over time, we've started to recognize the impact that our capital or our investments make and want to start having an influence, however large or small, Um, your investments are in order to influence the world and to be able to demonstrate that. The nice thing that we're also seeing is very clearly those organizations who are operating more effectively, those organizations who are providing solutions to some of these big challenges are actually financially doing better. And that's really encouraging to see. So I think it's not one or the other. Now, very clearly, some investors have one motivation more than the other, but you can have both in relation to how you're operating.
0: I think that's a really important point uh, that Damien makes. Cap, what do you think about that? Are we seeing companies that are doing better perform better?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. And I think it's a question that we get quite a lot, Um, or there was definitely a misconception previously that if you want to go for a socially responsible and ethical portfolio, then one of the things that you're going to have to do is sort of sacrifice performance from an investment perspective, but also um, sort of how those companies generally perform. And actually, our analysis has shown, and as you sort of said at the intro, there are no meaningful, statistically reliable differences between the performance of a an SRI focused and those portfolios that don't. And in fact, what we've seen kind of in the first sort of three quarters of this year is actually some of those companies that are performing better are those companies that have a better SRI or ESG focus that they are, um, you know, for all the reasons that you might expect, um, are doing better. Their performance is, is kind of on the way up.
0: Let's double-click into some of this stuff, Damien. Um, can you give me an example of some of the companies that are more towards the type of spectrum that somebody is looking for and considering more sustainable, more ethical, uh, more uh, kind of towards the ESG-positive spectrum? What sort of companies would fit those categories? And I know that's a very broad set because you can end up in definitions forever, but are there some names that people have heard of that would, would fall in, more likely to fall into one of these funds than, than wouldn't?
2: Well, I, th- I think what you've touched on is a really interesting point, uh, not to name companies per se, but to, to clarify a little bit of what we actually started to talk about, which is from an ethical perspective, you or I may have different views about who is an ethical company or not. And that's a very clear personal preference, as I was saying before. Um, in, in relation to what companies are doing or how or how they're operating. I think there's a big difference though when you start looking at environmental, social, and governance factors. The reality is any company doing anything in the world, things that we may find morally repugnant, has a an assessment done on it around the environmental, social, and governance factors. And really as an investor, what you're looking at in that case is how effective, how, how well do they operate as a company uh, in relation to what it is that they're doing. So in that sense, When you're looking at that from an investor standpoint, it's not about a moral preference that you have, but ultimately about how well that company is operating. And those are the companies, as Kat said, and you mentioned at the beginning, and we've seen from our portfolios as well, who have outperformed in the short term. And actually, in the long term, when you start to think about the goods and services that a company provides, now you're starting to think about the long-term growth of a company and where investors are seeing companies that are part of an old world or providing services that are part of an older world may not necessarily be the best investments relative to the companies who are innovating and providing solutions to some of the problems that we have. So it's really important to separate the differences out and actually look at the investment process that would be behind each one of those um, for investors, because what you or I may want may be different from someone else.
0: Indeed, uh, and that's so important that we do then have these people, um, whether it's rating agencies or somewhere else. I saw that the Big Four uh, accounting firms have come together and put together a standard for uh, how they're going to um, treat ESG accounting recently, because there are so many different standards out there. But it seems that cap that these uh, these measures of performance of a company, these measures are seeming to be working for consumers. But what do consumers want? Some of this stuff is it rooted in that ethical thing, or is it is it the performance? Or Or is it a bit of both?
1: I think it's a bit of both. I also think it picks up on a point that Damien made earlier, which was really spot on, which is the fact that actually you started to see elements of this elsewhere in your life. You know, the, the iterations of moving towards more ethical, socially responsible, more conscientious, whatever the word is you most associate um, whether it is by buying a hybrid car or an electric car, whether you saw it in the I mean, washing machine or tumble dryer that you bought for your home that comes with an energy rating. The home itself has a sort of energy rating in terms of your windows. You saw it in so many other aspects of your life. Then people said, why don't I see that with my money? You know, I want to know what impact is my money having? Particularly if you think about a pension as an example, that's going to be one of your biggest kind of financial outlays or resources over the course of your life. Having that invested in a way that's making an impact can actually have a really meaningful impact. And that's where we started to see that come from. There was that question, I think, around you know, if I, you know, my washing machine provider or my house builder can tell me what I'm doing, I want to also know what my, my pensions or my investments are doing.
0: And on that, what are people's pensions doing? Do people really understand the impact that they're having? I mean, I guess you're quite close to some of the consumer research side of it. Is this stuff really having any impact at all? I mean, Damien mentioned some performance of companies, but like, what about the actual end product? Are we, are we making meaningful differences? And can you give any examples of that?
1: so i i mean i can i know from us for example we um looked at some investor research for investors in the uk we actually interestingly did this at the very start of the year and then did it again in the summer and we now know that sort of a fifth of investors are looking for something that is kind of a, an ethical investment a socially responsible investment and they want to be able to know what's that what's my money doing and that's when we really started to look at okay what factors become most important and most relevant to them are they wanting an environmental piece and actually social concerns was the most important factor for investors here with 54 percent of investors saying they would move money out of a high performing fund if the companies in that portfolio were not behaving well or did not seem to be seen to have good practices in social issues and I think that's where they really want to have a look at it now we um as an example at Nutmeg we score all of our portfolios across 15 different factors um for environmental, social and governance concerns. And we can tell you everything from the percentage of companies in your portfolio that have greater than 30% female representation on a board. We can tell you what the equivalent you know, car miles is in terms of um, CO2 emission reduction. And also those kind of companies that have good practice in terms of, of like data protection or executive pay. So There's it's that level of understanding, because as Damien absolutely rightly said, what's ethical or important to you might be different for me, will be different for probably Damien and and the next 15 people that you meet.
0: But having that shared measure is really important. Damien, do you think that um, that all of this move towards all of these new ways of investing are having impact? Are we seeing results? Can people see results that they can believe in or is it is it buying hope to a certain degree?
2: I I think you're seeing companies that are responding and recognizing the influence that investors are having. And it's individual investors, but obviously institutional investors and larger forms of capital. When you think about the fiduciary duty that we have on behalf of our investors, we start thinking about, well, how do we influence them so that they are around or that these are the investments that we have made do make sense over a longer period of time. And so when you start talking about, as Kat said, a lot of the rating agencies that are assessing and providing data you know those are standard measures nowadays and companies will need to know that they or large companies will need to know that they need to produce them and the data providers will gather that data and be able to produce the reports that we were just talking about so companies are more and more aware of the requirement to do it but the other interesting thing is i think when you're starting to think about the other side you know we there have been studies over the years that have shown more sustainable companies actually perform better they attract better talent. You know, people are are happy to continue to work with them and work for them. So there's a benefit for them as well in terms of operating more effectively, as we we're talking about here.
0: Well, this is the classic uh, dilemma of, uh, I guess, some of the uh, larger consultancies. You know, they would they would do work for um, you know, defense con- companies. They would do work for the tobacco industry, and some of their staff would would. Uh, conscientiously object to doing that, and of course, that company would would be would be obviously quite smart to allow them to do that. And so, this is kind of um, not new, but it may be perhaps a new manifestation. Um, I want to I want to double click into some of what uh the shift is here, Kat, in terms of Damien's last point there uh, around how companies are, are starting to perform better if they're doing this stuff. Can we see the evidence of that? Can you, you know, you mentioned that uh, that we could see some evidence. What can a consumer, what can an investor, what can you or I see that gives us that confidence that they're um, performing better and doing better?
1: So I think actually this will possibly depend a little on where where you're investing and who your sort of investment provider is. But I think actually now in an age where we're much more, um, we're much more used to, we're much more willing to kind of want as a consumer to be able to see that, um, businesses have got a lot. Um, better at being upfront about their performance. Our performance of all of our portfolio ranges is available to anyone on the website. We're not the only ones who do that. I know lots of sort of our investment peers, and that's really important. There's always that element of can I see how I'm doing? Um, I know we talked about it earlier in, in the podcast in terms of the sort of outperformance of the MSCI Global Index. You're also seeing it there. I think we're going to continue to see those trends. The real um sort of investment geeks among us will uh, be able to sort of find that kind of data I think it is becoming much more readily available the the sort of very old adage and sadly I'm kind of old enough now to have started in an industry where we provide you with your investment performance on a sort of annual basis that is is somewhat becoming a thing of the past you can you can find that information out and it is quite readily available. And also remember, absolutely ask your investment provider for that information. I want to know how my portfolio is doing compared to one that has a similar makeup but does not have an SRI screening focus, and they should be able to provide that information for you.
0: So it's good that we can show people this information, but do people really understand what they're looking at, Kat? Because that's a such a hard thing to see. If if I was to bamboozle you with, um, you know, kind of some of the some of the stuff that comes out of financial markets, do, do people get what they're looking at? Do they get that these companies are performing better, doing better, having impact?
1: So I think. It depends on the level of detail that you want to see. I mean, we have had um, everything from very, very consumer friendly. um, You know, we're a direct to consumer brand. Um, Our investors are everything from first time to those people with investment experience. So we will give you that information in terms of this would be the equivalent number of air miles or this is how much energy. You know, your investment this 12 month period is the equivalent of how many mobile phones that you could charge but then there's also a deeper level of that sort of performance that says okay this is um you know in your dashboard do you think this is what your this is the percentage of your company that's acting in investing in businesses with good water stress levels and that level of deep dive information I think is is really important for those that want it they can go and look at it.
0: And Damien, do you think that level of data is is wanted by many or just a few and and how do you how do you right size what that means for people
2: well the the beauty of technology as as we have today in the data is that it is possible to produce all of those statistics fairly quickly and fairly easily. I think the more important question to your point is do people care but also what do investors do with it so Yes, there are going to be some people who care quite a great deal about it. Uh, But for most people, they're looking or thinking about a lot of other things. And that's the challenge, obviously, with financial services. Um, For most people, they want to be able to know that they are saving to meet their uh, investment objectives, be it home or kids' education or retirement, et cetera. And they're not as worried about all the detail. And that's why they entrust uh, organizations like us to be able to manage it on their behalf. So the question is, is that material to them in terms of what they're going to do going forward? I think to some extent, but there's a lot of people who just want to know or feel like they are doing the right thing and that their money is being invested in the right way. I think the more interesting question is actually when you're starting to look at the investment managers. So it's one thing to have the reporting you know, telling me what is my money doing or so what does that mean in terms of the the number of cars, the number of trees. I think the more challenging question to investment managers is, now what? Now what do you do with that information in order to do it? And you know, when you're talking about, again, the investment decisions you're making, passive versus active, how active investment managers are making decisions around certain elements, around what they're going to invest into, or the indices you're picking in order to to invest, the outcomes can actually be more driven than necessarily just simply a so what measure, almost more of a vanity metric to be able to show to a client or someone to be able to say, look at what your portfolio is doing. I think the more important question is: How are you actively moving that forward as an investor on my behalf?
0: And and how would how would an, an investor answer that? What would they be able to say that says yes to you, um, to, for for you, my client, and me as an investor? Here's how I'm how I'm moving that forward.
2: Well, two ways broadly. One is. Going back to the selection process, so how are we going through the processes in in the active management world, going through and and selecting the companies that are part of your portfolio in order to pick better run companies or companies that are solving the problems that we have, first question, uh, or the the things that we're doing. The second question is obviously, are you actively engaging with the companies and using your influence to be able to help uh, drive change within them in terms of how they operate? And, and those are broadly the two things. Again, this fits very clearly within that responsible investing approach that I talked about before. And you're going in, you're trying to understand if you are taking that approach, those would be the things that you'd be looking for from an investment manager. When you're starting to talk again about the impact side, now all of a sudden you're starting to be interested in more actively thinking about what the investor wants to achieve beyond just the risk mitigation, but actually what are the big problems that want to, that they want to solve and how can the capital help to contribute to that. As opposed to simply looking at what are the risks that a company might face around water stress and who is best positioned in that industry in order to to adapt to that. Uh,
0: and I think picking up on that, Kat, Damien mentioned water stress. There's a few things that investors really care about. Can you give some other examples like like that? That you know these things would would manifest as in terms of impact that we're looking to see uh, in you know, responsible investors push for.
1: Yeah. So I think I mean I'm. Basing this uh, quite a lot on our customer base, although that is sort of over 90,000 customers in the UK, we looked at for them what a £20,000 a year investment in a socially responsible ISA instead of just a global equities could do in terms of a carbon element of one thing. And they wanted to say, okay, but what does that mean for me in real terms? So it's the equivalent of 10.2 return flights from London to Barcelona a year or it's 4,800 miles driven in a car or it's the equivalent of planting 2.6 acres of forest and trees. That sort of element goes okay now I know what that means in terms of the relation because it's also a point of would I take 10 flights, return flights from London to Barcelona in a year without thinking about the carbon impact of it. You know that's the element of do I walk 20 minutes to the shop or do a two, two minute car journey. It's how do you relate the thing that your money is doing with what it means to you in terms of of your sort of real life. You know, it's your, that's how it it is relatable. It's okay, now it makes sense. And I think that knowing how it makes sense then drives them to say, okay, and now I want to do this. And that's definitely what we're seeing, that intention, that shift towards, I want to do this with my money. Particularly, as we've kind of already discussed, if I don't have a, if there's not a performance trade-off, then it's almost a question of why wouldn't I?
0: Yeah, I can have something that performs well and does well, or I can just have something that performs well and might even be doing quite the opposite. Um, that's that's a choice that you'd hope most people fall one side on. Um, Damien, do you think this has been a consumer shift? Do you think why do you think this issue has become so crucial in the last sort of ten years? And why wasn't like didn't people always want to do good with with capital?
2: Sorry, Simon. Just to go back to the to the point Cat was making for a moment. If I was going to add to what she was saying, I think it's interesting to look at the relative difference versus additionality. So when we're talking about also different asset classes and different types of investments that investors can make, oftentimes we are looking at them relative to something else. So we said MSEIL World Index, which is definitely very clearly the case when you're dealing with liquid portfolios in that space. I think what's interesting for us, we do obviously serve clients on that level. But we also have clients who are investing in private equity and direct investments into direct companies. And in that case, what you're seeing to the point earlier is a more active desire to drive change and see that change happen, not necessarily just simply through the ratings uh, agencies and the data providers, which, you know, we can talk about how many vehicles or how many Uh, how many acres of forest we've sequestered, but actually thinking about when you are putting money from a private equity sense into companies that are solving some of these problems how is that also going to drive change forward in your interest in that and being able to report back on that? So I think it's really interesting when you're looking across the different financial products, the different asset classes, the implications of all of those, that the measurement also changes and that investor interest, the additionality and the intentionality that they have also can vary as well.
0: So I was watching the um, Tesla battery day yesterday and and no surprises, an electric car company probably has a lot of uh, very socially responsible investors in its cap table. And And they were asking some very crunchy questions about how um, staff is being treated or how, uh, you know, kind of all kinds of issues were really being raised. And and Damien, would that be fair to say that that's an example of an investor pushing for responsibility? You can um, sort of raise things at an AGM or at a shareholder meeting. There may be other ways in which a a responsible investor could could advocate on behalf of, of its investors.
2: Absolutely, and it also demonstrates the earlier point about the difference between ESG and impact. So Tesla, as a as a company, the right the goods and services it's providing, we can very clearly point to and say, you know, you are helping to solve one of the big challenges that we have in the world in terms of electrification of vehicles and moving that forward. Um, but You can still look at Tesla and say, from an environmental and a social and a governance perspective, how are you operating? And that's where investors can challenge companies to do better, even if the goods and services that they're providing are positive around the world. And again, clarifying the difference between those things, I think, is really important so that investors know, am I getting a portfolio that has ESG and responsible investing built into it, and therefore I could be invested in anything, but they're the best run companies, Or am I investing in a company or is part of the investment process also looking for the companies from a goods and services perspective who are driving things forward, not forgetting the ESG components of it, but actually adding to it?
0: It's the difference between uh, the thing, how they do the thing, and the thing that they do. So you know, it, it's how the machine works, and and how the how they're treating staff, and their supply chain, and, and that operating of the company, and then the thing that they produce at the other side of that is that something that is making climate change worse or making it better. That that output thing, I think, it's really important clarity, Damien. Thank you for for going to that. I'm going to have to pause here. We're already at our ad break, uh, So I'm just going to do some quick ad reads, and we shall be back shortly. This episode of FinTech Insider is brought to you by MyTech. Combining the world's best forensic experts with the industry's most advanced technology, only MyTech delivers banking-grade identity verification with the highest possible assurance levels, massively reducing risk, fraud, and costs. You can discover more at mytechsystems.com. This episode is also brought to you by Jack Henry Digital, the pioneers of personal digital banking. They're reviving the vision for financial institutions being on a first-name basis with customers. What a crazy idea. By offering a platform for personal, human-centered service that puts the customer first. Your customers experience immediate accessibility while your employees get cloud-based, core connected tools to offer the service at the moment of need. To learn more, explore the team's latest insights at jackhenrydigital.com. Question for your listener, do you follow 11FS on LinkedIn? If you don't, you probably should. We make video content over there that you really don't want to miss out on. And we're starting not one, but two new live shows on Tuesdays. We're going to be diving into the biggest industry news and stories. And on Thursday, we'll be grilling some of the biggest names and experts in financial services on what do they do for a living? You'll have the chance to ask all your questions and get them answered live on the show by some of the best minds in the industry. Find out more by heading over to the 11FS LinkedIn page. All right. Thank you. And on with the show. All right, coming back in from the ad break, um, Damien, we were talking a little bit about the role of the investor. Who else uh, is in this ecosystem that has a role to play in impact investing, sustainability, and driving all of that?
2: Well, it's, it's interesting to see a number of other actors recognize the value and benefit of capital and where it, where, and how it flows. You know, We look now at the moment, right, in one of the biggest financial crises that we have, you see governments and the stimulus that they're actually putting forward actively thinking about greening that investment. So building back better, you know, one of the catchphrases being used at the moment, thinking about what role can capital provide to help to address some of the climate issues that we have or some of the racial and social injustice issues that we have. And that's really interesting to see governments recognize that and actually encourage that with the stimulus packages that they're putting forward. Certainly the EU one of the leaders in that space. Beyond that, you do see other actors in in relation to the NGOs recognizing that there's a role to play for them in, in, in relation to helping to drive the change forward that they've been advocating for quite a long time and helping to address some of the underlying issues that we have more systemically. I think beyond that, you do see everyday individuals, as we talked about before, who are more aware uh, both of the interconnectedness that we have, the fragility that we have a lot in, in the system and thinking about how do I use my voice to be able to influence uh, both the individual organizations I work for or the or the ones that we're investing into. So it's really interesting to see a, a broader change uh, unfolding because of everything I think going on at the moment and just a greater awareness translating that into action, I think is, you know, investors have a really critical role to play with private capital in terms of how that's used.
0: Fingers crossed we do see that change in the world, Damien. I'm very, very hopeful that we see that. Um, Kat, what are your thoughts here? Do you think that this is um, something that is uh, the whole ecosystem that governments, people, consumers are really brought into? or Is it a trend or are we going to be, is this going to go away like a trend?
1: So I think the um, the sort of view that socially responsible or ethical investing or portfolios are a bit of a fad is um, probably long held. I think it's one of those myths around it. Um, we actually i mean we don't think that is true we're seeing it from our our customers we're seeing you know kind of a significant portion of new investment money in 2020 is going into our socially responsible portfolios we're also seeing that across the board you know there's a huge view that oh it's just millennials who you know are sort of voting with their smaller pockets and actually that isn't true what we've seen that you know um People who are aged 35 to sort of 54 are 10 percent more likely to vote or, or vote with their feet, and they're going to move their investments out of a high-performing portfolio into something that has sort of a better social focus or companies that have a better social focus and I think that's going to be the shift that is then driving quite rightly an industry to say okay what are the options how are we presenting them how are we using tech to make it more accessible and then it has a knock-on effect in terms of you know customers who come to us and say we want to know more about x y or z and we want to have a better clearer picture of what that data looks like we then go to you know our our sort of um, investment providers and say, "Okay, this is what we're looking for, and that information and that data that I know Damien was talking about earlier is getting better and it's also kind of getting more it's it's expected. it's the norm. For us, I think we see that within you know five or so years, actually more investments will be going into something that's got a more socially responsible focus than those. That will become your sort of go-to of a, of a normal
0: investment mm. Damien, what are your thoughts uh, flashing the pan or trend that's accelerating?
2: I'm not sure if Cat would agree, but I would take it one step further. I think some of the things that we're talking about today, we won't be talking about in five years' time. The idea of using ESG as part of an investment process, we won't be seeing the hype and the and the marketing that happens around it today. It'll be more of a question of why are you not doing this for me, as opposed to why are you? Uh, I think without a doubt, the first, you know, the, realistically, twelve or eighteen months ago, many organizations were still uncertain about this. I think what's been fascinating, as we alluded to earlier, in terms of the performance, that this is the first real live demonstration and test of using these approaches, and the implications that a wider set of investors can now see. A lot of the innovators, you know, we've been talking to clients about this for quite a long time, recognized it and believed in it without all of the evidence that is so visible. That being said, there have been about two thousand studies around, you know, the implications financial. Uh, of using these techniques and using these approaches that have demonstrated it. But right now, I think what you're recognizing or what people are recognizing is this is a better way to invest. This is the next stage of investing. So whereas 50 years ago, we only really talked about return. I mean, that's the interesting thing. We didn't talk about risk and return. Now what we're seeing is people are starting to recognize the value of bringing impact in considerations into an investment process. Partially for the financial returns, but also because it's a better way for investors to engage with their with their finances. Mm.
0: Interesting. I saw a really good study from uh, McKinsey uh, about six months ago that looked at the economic profit uh, of sectors, and it's no surprise that the energy sector, um, the fossil fuel sector, has has really struggled, especially when it comes to uh, its ability to really sustainably grow. And, and when fossil fuels are running out, that's not a probably not a giant surprise. Um, but it, I really am interested in that perspective, Kat That uh, that that damien talked about there as being this will just be baked in this will just be normal like, kind of like how health and safety is expected now like you can't put a building together without having a, a a fire marshal and a health and safety warden and uh you know in the 1930s when they were putting skyscrapers up people could go up there without any wires now we just wouldn't dream of that do, do you share that perspective and do you think this is going to become much more of a of a regulatory thing over time
1: Yes, I completely agree with Damien. I do think that we're gonna see that shift and I you know it's going to be why aren't you doing this for me? It's it's going to be the norm. I also think it will then lead to. Um, there's sort of two elements to it. it will then lead to better um, business conduct. You know, if you're looking at an investment, and this I'm sure Damien will have some views on it as well. If you're looking at where you're going to put money in a sector, and it's one of the things that we think is really important, is also highlighting those players in that particular sector or industry who are leading the way. So actually, you've you've touched on the energy sector as an example. Um, you know, you've seen growth in terms of those that are. Are doing renewable or um green energy initiatives because they've seen that actually they need to keep that investment coming in so how do they do it and that is very much driven and i do think that's it's um i guess it's a little bit chicken and egg but also a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy in the terms of one will feed the other
0: momentum is what the market appears to be buying and if you go where the momentum is and the momentum seems to be behind esg suddenly that becomes a runaway freight train it's it's kind of interesting um, but i am interested in kind of the mainstreaming of this um can can we uh, see this continue, Damien, through more sharp downturns we're in we're in, a, we're in an incredibly volatile period you know will we build back better or are we seeing the risk of you know a, a world that's got more geopolitical risk in it and we revert to type and all of this kind of goes away is Is there not a risk out there with that at least?
2: Of course there is. I think what we're building on is, a, is an increasing preponderance of evidence and experience more that this is going this is the way that we're going. What I do think we will see as well, partially from the companies, but even more so, what the difference will be is on the investors. So at the moment, lots of people have jumped on the bandwagon in the last year or two around this topic and are promoting it. But there's a difference between doing something and doing it well. You know, you or I may have started baking sourdough bed during lockdown, but it doesn't mean we're a Michelin star or master baker, you know, in terms of actually what we can produce. There's going to be a very clear differentiation between the investors who know how to do this well and those those who are marketing themselves around doing it. And I think that's where we will see over the longer period of time outperformance and it, it be part of fundamentally how we invest.
0: Mm, yeah, I, I love that concept. I, I cannot um, pick up a, a brochure or or any kind of thing from from some of the big investment houses at the moment without it being plastered with responsible or ethical. But um, do you mean it? And and that authenticity is can be really seen in the results and can and really really permeates. Uh, Kat, do you share that view? And and what are your thoughts in terms of the geopolitical risk and, and the market going forward? Is there not a risk here?
1: I. I, saw, I do share that view. I also think, and Damien kind of reminded me of something that we talked about earlier, in terms of there's been, through the, the journey, there's kind of been an evolution away from, I think, when sort of ethical investing first started, it was very much more seen in a kind of green and a carbon neutral investment type fashion. And that's where the different elements of impact investing and that ES and G factors are becoming sort of more crucial because it's moved it's not moved on from a carbon neutral only conversation it's grown to include other things and as we were saying earlier around the sort of tesla shareholder meeting people do want to know okay how do you treat your staff or what does your supply chain look like i mean in the uk over the summer there was obviously issues with um sort of some suppliers who had questionable supply chains and workforce practices it's I feel like it's less about because it is less about a singular issue and it's more encompassing of broadly speaking what are your practices like across a whole varying list of factors you know we score portfolios around 15 different factors across the es and g then i that's where i think the momentum is going to continue to go in a very positive way
0: Kat, can you give me some examples of that so like i'm explaining it to a person who's never come across ethical finance before what's that thing so yes we we talked about um supply chain but what does that what does that mean and and I know there are some other examples that you can give
1: so um yes in terms of your supply chain kind of labor management that is a case of i mean let's let's use a very real example um the nutmeg socially responsible portfolios don't include apple that apple stocks are not within the portfolio because there's some questions around their supply chain um historically now there's actually really good incentive there for them to improve And that's excellent. It encourages the business to improve their better practices. And then so it goes on. You see that kind of evolution. And that's why the funds can can ultimately change. You might have privacy and data. Now, privacy and data is going to be a much more important factor. If you're thinking about investing in Facebook, as an example, than it is if you're thinking about investing in the sourdough company that is sending you recipes on how to like there's an element of what data do you share with this company and how important is that factor for you um that's the sort of all sit in the kind of social bucket of things the environmental i think we're really kind of very familiar with carbon emissions water stress climate change pollution and waste renewable energy all of the sort of things we're much more familiar with and then i think governance becomes around business ethics um, executive pay that's where you see um, companies and we've seen it in the last kind of few weeks as well around companies that have potentially furloughed staff or made staff redundant but then their bosses are getting great big bonuses or huge pension payouts and there's a little bit of a mismatch and I think people are saying actually is that a company that I want to support is that a business that is acting in the best interest if someone I knew works there how would I feel about it that's
0: interesting Kat that I think for a long time, the consumer felt like um, they had no power, they had no control, they had no ability to. They saw all these evils in the world and there was nothing that you can do about it. But actually, now by taking control of where our pensions are, where our investments are, um, by just moving them a little bit, we can actually have a real impact. And if you change how um, money is moved, how capital is allocated, maybe you can really change outcomes. I mean, Damien, is that not? naive twaddle? Or is it, is, it, is it true? It just feels so unlikely that as, as little people could have such an impact in financial markets in that sense.
2: There's definitely one thing that I have to say, you know, looking at financial markets, we do respond to client demands. And I use the word demand as a really specific one, not the generic word. But when clients come in and are actively saying, this is what we expect, and this is what we want for from you, institutions, financial institutions respond to those things. We are trying to be a little bit more forward looking. And I know we spend a lot of time engaging with clients. And as I said, we've been doing this for a number of years. So have been a bit ahead of it. But the more people, irrespective of the size of wealth that you have, who come in and say, this is what I want to do. And this is my expectation around how you operate. I think the more we will see this move forward.
0: I think the big takeaway for anybody listening is, do you know where your pension's invested? What do your investments look like? Do you, do you, do you care about any of the issues that we've talked about here? And, and, and are you demanding more from your customers? I mean, Kat, uh, not from your customers, from your suppliers. Kat, what does, what does somebody do if they, they have that? Um, I know Nutmeg has some options, but there might be other things that besides their pensions and ISAs that, that they could look at. How, how do people get started?
1: I was going um, to say, as you said, do people know where their sort of pension are and what their money is? I think the other big question is also know that you can move it and you can, you know, by and large, you can vote with your feet from a financial services kind of perspective. Never feel that you're sort of stuck where you are. Um, I would say shop around. I do also think as well, it's important to think about what are the things that are important to you and ask questions because you may have a group or there might be, let's say, five different uh, ethical or socially responsible ESG portfolios that may have very different um, sort of selection processes. They may have very different exclusion criteria, And you may be investing in a company over here that you that you really didn't want to, but it might be wrapped up in a portfolio somewhere else. Um, And I do think that now there is a much greater, and I know Damien touched on it with technology, there is a much greater accessibility to that information. Um, Do ask your your provider, your investment provider, what's in my fund? I want to know
0: do ask people all right well and that pushes up against time i think it's been a, a phenomenal discussion kat damien i want to thank you so so much as somebody who really believes that if you change finance you do change the world um it may be naive it may be hopium it may be all of those sorts of things but uh, we are seeing the real impact that people can have uh, when they when they change how money moves around the world whether one person's cancel culture is another person's you know kind of real impact but uh hopefully this this does lead to better outcomes and something that sustainable um and and sort of regular everyday growth for, for the species so um let's let's hope we can survive um random rants from me aside uh where can people find out more about you cat and what you're doing at nutmeg
1: um, so if you want to find out more about nutmeg we're on all of the social channels twitter linkedin and instagram and facebook at the nutmeg team or if you would like to know more about me in particular um Catman, very easy name or Manoir on the social channels
0: Thank you so much, Kat. And uh, what about yourself, Damien?
2: Yeah, I don't think Barclays needs much of an introduction. For many listeners out there, uh, for me, LinkedIn, uh, probably the best place to find me. Um, one other thing that we are really happy to be engaged with, uh, to your point of you know where can we change the world, uh, we have supported an organization called Impact Agora. Um, so if you want to learn more about how you can actually get involved on an institutional basis, definitely interesting to see a fintech collaboration that we have doing some work there. So I'd actually point people to Impact Agora more than even myself or Barclays.
0: Impact Agora, sounds like a plan. I will definitely check that out. I didn't know about it. Um, but I love that um, it's don't come to us, go see that instead. That's the way to do it. Um, I, as for me, you can find me at s y Taylor on Twitter and uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Simon Taylor. Uh, and I love this stuff. So if you want to reach out and talk about uh, what impact means, how do we design better financial products? How do we connect meaning to everyday spend? These things are, are my obsession. So I'd be delighted to rant at you at length and uh, listen to your rantings uh, too. If you like what you've heard uh, and you just don't want to be ranted out by me, then please do subscribe to the podcast so that you can hear more from our guests and uh, wonderful, wonderful colleagues. Uh, don't forget to leave us a review. Those reviews help us so, so much. And as always, uh, you can find 11FS on social media. You can search for 11FS or Fintech Insider. And if you've got anything you want to see from the show, email podcasts at 11FS.com. Thank you so much and goodbye for now.